Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, November the 10th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we continue year C, proper week 28, which is the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Thursday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the New Testament letter passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary and this week of the church's calendar year. So we find ourselves back in the book of 2 Thessalonians. I give it to those lectionary divines, man. They're like, hey, let's do more than one week in 2 Thessalonians. How about it? So 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how we ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to have such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we're commanded, we, we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. This is the word of God for us. Guess what I've discovered over the years is that Christian community is an anomaly, right? I mean, I think community in general is tough. Even Kurt Vonnegut, um, the towering atheistic figure and writer that has loomed large in the 20th century, early 21st century, he says like the greatest endeavor that a young person can give them is to create communities that helps to beat back this like epidemic of loneliness, this chronic loneliness in our culture, right? So like building community, community is something that we all crave. Um, it is not something that's easy to create. I think it was easier, at least in my recollection, when I was younger. I mean, we, when we were in school for hours a day, the same people, you'd have uh, boring conversations, you'd have time on the recess, you would have these common inside jokes, uh, you would sit together at lunch. And I mean, just imagine that, imagine having like adult peers like you did when you were in middle school and in high school, either if, you, if you've been to college. Uh, I went to a small Christian college and uh, you knew everybody by, you know, a month and a half in, like you knew everybody's name, you could say hi to everybody. And so like, there's like this kinship that was just natural because of all the time that you spend. But now like we're, we've got all these things going on. We got work, we got family, we got extracurricular activities. Uh, we have things pulling us away from one another. Uh, Vonnegut said another apt phrase. He said that there's too many of us and we live too far apart from one another. And so creating community is tough. And we see um, how this is teetering on the brink of disaster of brilliance. Um, in the New Testament. I mean, there are times in which Paul raves about uh, communities caring for one another. And even in the 
first uh, letter to the Thessalonians. Uh, Paul is raving about their faith. Uh, Their reputation is billowing out from their own city limits to other parts of the world. And uh, the rest of the church is just marveling about the news coming from Thessalonica, right? So we're kind of stunned when we go back to the end of this uh, correspondence to the Thessalonian church. And we find that there is this great peril among them. The peril is that there seems to be people uh, grifting off some of the hardworking folks in the church, right? And this is almost like a something that Paul has um, indirectly been a part of, and he isn't trying to make this happen, but uh, he's trying to bring clarity teaching to the return of Jesus because, you know, this idea of the reappearing of Jesus actually motivates the church. Like Jesus is going to return. God is going to reign as king in the earth. And so as we're waiting for that, let's, you know, get together and let's try to uh, do good deeds for one another. Let's try to do the work of evangelism, drawing other people into this great story. Uh, but that caused some people to say, like, why give all this great effort when God's just going to do something beyond like the sum of the work of the church uh, for God's self? Like, why do we need to actually be as busy as, um, as some other people around me are. And so we have this interesting tension in the Thessalonian church. You have people who are busy, who are working hard, who are sharing their resources, uh, putting food on the table for other people because they heard a prayer request that the rent is behind for so-and-so and and, uh, -and so-and-so with X amount of kids, they don't have enough food for their table. And so these Christians are working hard. Well, then now like the picture is getting clear, um, that uh, some of these folks who have claimed to have needs, they could have actually been working. They could have actually been providing for themselves. And then going further, like some of the other parts of the church, providing for the needs of others with the excess that they've received. And so Paul sees this as a frustrating moment. So he gives them this rule, the rule of the apostle, this binding practice of if, if you're not willing to give your best, and your best may not be much, but if, you can, if you're not willing to give your best, then you're going to be exempt from receiving help from others. Now this is maybe we sense some whiplash because um, the church is supposed to be this benevolent community. I mean, they're extending the farthest for the least of these among them because that was the command of Jesus, that whatever we do for the least of these, we also do unto God. So this serving, this serving one another, the service to uh, those who are down and out, like this is actually worship to Almighty God. But it seems like people are taking advantage of it. And this is not the only place where we see this. There's uh, oh, probably a second century source called the Didache, which talked about how even when a prophet comes among the church, if they stay more than three straight uh, times of gathering for worship and they're receiving offerings from the people of God, that they're supposed to be deemed as a false prophet because it, it appears that they're gaining off the church, right? And so Paul says, you need to follow our example. When we came among you, we could have claimed some sort of financial support, some sort of material goods from you because of all of our work and effort among you, but we refused to do so because we wanted to be above reproach. So you be the same. Be above reproach. Work as hard as you can. There's actually a lot of grace and there's understanding for those who can only give a little. It's not that we have to all give equally, like, but we all need to participate. We all need to help out in the work of the church. And so you got this interesting dynamic that happens and we see this in the the fabric of the Christian faith, which is the way in which we respond with actions actually correlates with our understanding of what we freely received, right? So Jesus says those who have freely received, we should freely give. 
Uh, Jesus says about forgiveness. Extend, uh, forgiveness is extended to those who are also turn around and willing to forgive. So there is this interesting economy, the structure within the people of God. We, 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 we bear witness to what we know by what we do in response, right? And so the last thing that the early church wanted was to have this picture of the church where people swallow so much in benevolence towards them, but they're unwilling to give. They're stingy and they're giving out to others. Jesus, one of his indictments of his opponents, he said that you swallow camels, but you strain out gnats, right? Uh, they take so much and they only give little in response. Uh, that isn't the evidence of a soul that's been shaped by the kingdom. A kingdom that is its basic foundation is of a God who gave his own life in order to rescue and redeem all of humanity. And so we think, look at our own lives and we look, there are probably seasons where we can give more than other parts of our lives. But I think what we need to say is that um, in the spirit of the law, like are we trying to participate and what we give out, not just participating in the receiving of blessing, right? And there should be this, this response within our lives to want to give to others as so much has been given to us. And so what I'm going to pray this morning is that as we like look at this complex picture of uh, the reappearing of Jesus down the road, um, this, this delicate task of creating Christian community where grace is received and given, that we also have this, we have, we have this resolve within us uh, to be counted on and to count on others at the same time. That delicate balance within Christian community. So with all those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you've drawn us into the community of the Trinity where we feel the benevolent love of God. You've also called us into the community of the people of God. We're in our great diversity, our varied experiences, even our diversity of thought and conclusions about uh, some of the perspectives of our own faith, that we find oneness with one another. We thank you that these two things hold up the canopy of the church. There is a unity among the body of Christ. There is a holiness unto the Lord among us. And so we thank you that we're called to the great work of binding up broken hearts, but also engaging in mission in the world. God, we thank you for the gifts that you've distributed among the church, that we're not all the same, that we're a body, and that we work together for the work of the church. And so God, as we find ourselves nestled in Christian community, as we evaluate, what does it mean for me to be counted on? And how can I learn to count on others? I pray that you give us grace. I pray that you give us the power and the wisdom to work out the subtle connection that we have with one another. And God, I pray even more boldly that as the watching world looks upon Christian communities today, that they would crave uh, to experience the loving kindness, uh, the support, the care that we give to one another. That they would examine the gospel truth, that they would open up their hearts to not just receive Jesus, but also to be a part of the people of God. So we pray to those things, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.